Hello, and welcome to the Paterno Fellows Podcast, a podcast designed to help students navigate the requirements of the Paterno Fellows Program, explore research, service, and other creative opportunities, and engage in meaningful conversations about contemporary campus issues. This is a podcast created by and for the students of the Paterno Fellows Program. We're your hosts, Erin Flannery and Ladin Suleiman. Today, we're joined by Nick Malesia. Nick is a Paterno Fellow who took the semester off to hike 2,190 miles along the Appalachian Trail, spanning from Georgia to Maine. As a student in English and psychology, Nick hopes to use this experience to support his senior thesis. We encourage you to follow Nick's journey and read more about his experience on his blog, Nick's.today. That's Nick's, N-I-C-K-S, dot today. Okay, so welcome, Nick. Thank you so much for being with us um, all the way in Virginia. I'd like if you could just start by telling us a little bit about an overview of why you're hiking the Appalachian Trail, um, like what inspired you and um, what your plans are to complete the hike. This is something I'd wanted to do for a really long time. Uh, and I did a section hike in Virginia in 2019. It was just like 40 miles super short. We were doing only about 10 miles a day, but that was kind of where I really decided I wanted to hike the entire thing because I met so many like cool people just in the four days that I was hiking. I really wanted to be a part of that community. And so the co- the like pandemic kind of gave like the re- best opportunity actually to go and do it. I like realized I was ahead on credits and I thought, you know, I wasn't feeling super great at school. It was kind of isolating. I was an RA, so I had like my own room and um, I just wasn't seeing my friends as much. You know, I was on the rowing team, but that wasn't happening anymore because club sports weren't, um, you know, operating. And so I was like, I'm just going to be, you know, I'm just going to leave <laughs> and I'm going to do the thing that I wanted and I'm going to write my thesis about it. And so it all kind of just like fell together um, pretty well. And that's why I'm out here. And you know, we're doing it. And I believe you're a double major in English and psychology. So could you tell us a little bit about how you plan to use your experience on the Appalachian Trail to write a thesis in one of those disciplines or both? So my primary major, I guess you could say is psych. I want to be a therapist. And so part of the reason that I think the trail is really interesting is because it has a lot of the things that a good therapist would recommend to their clients. So there's like, it's a super social trail. You meet new people every day. So you're always socializing. You are exercising daily. You get fresh air. So it's like this very restorative kind of experience. And a lot of people I've met have been here for a lot of those reasons. So I met someone who had PTSD. He was in like the Iraq war um, and he's out here for that. And I met someone whose mother died and she was out here just to do something for herself. So I think it's really interesting to kind of look at the trail as almost like a form of therapy and just, I guess, nature itself as kind of being restorative psychologically. Yeah. And, um, and speaking on that, uh, just, I just wanted to get your input a little bit on traditional therapy versus um, sort of these different kinds of therapeutic things that you can do, um, because I feel as though people tend to 
think of therapy as just being this clinical setting where you're sitting in front of a psychologist and you're pouring your heart out. But in your view, uh, what are what are the ways in which people's perceptions of what therapy is and should be limited? Yeah, well, I definitely think that ther- like talk therapy, tr- like traditional therapy, I guess, is really helpful. And I think talking things out is super important. That's what I want to do as a career. But I also think there's like a mind body component to that as well. So uh, someone I met on the trail says he has social anxiety, but he's like, I ever since I've been on the trail and I've been exercising so consistently, it's like very negligible, like my anxiety. So, you know, that just like getting being active was good therapy for him. So I think there's kind of that component too, where it's, if you're just cooped up in a office talking to someone, that's great. But you also kind of have to do some other things that are like a little bit more outside the traditional therapy grain, I guess. Yeah, that's very interesting. And just to shift the conversation um, more into the logistics of the hike, I know that your plan is to be what they call a through trailer. Is that correct? So you want to hike all the way from Georgia to Maine, the entire length of the Appalachian Trail. Can you tell us about how you went about preparing for this kind of trip, um, kind of like what logistical considerations are involved and how much of your trip is structured and how much of it is just sort of um, extemporaneous? Yeah, so I'm what I guess you would call a through hiker. You just, like you said, hiking from Georgia to Maine. And I didn't, so I had to get a ton of gear to prep for this. I really had never done any long-term hiking before other than some section hikes, but none of them were like longer than four days. So I had to get a whole backpack and I had to really research, um, you know, food packing. And, um, you know, I started the trail as a vegan and I'm vegetarian now, but I was looking up, you know, how to be vegan on the trail and um, how to prepare, prepare physically. So, it, it was a lot of planning. I had to, you know, buy a lot of things. Um, and now that you're out, we're out here, there is kind of a lot of logistics that go into the trip. Like um, there's this guide, it's called the AWOL guide, and it shows you mile by mile the entire trail. So I'm with a group of six other guys and we all kind of go at different paces, but we're similar. And so we look at the guide every day and we say, okay, we're going to hike to this shelter. And then we want to be, um, you know, at this town by this point, because we're trying to finish in four months. So it does get a little scientific when it comes to um, planning that out and being like, okay, so we're, we're trying to be in Harper's Ferry by day 58. And we're going to try to be, um, you know, hitting the Pennsylvania border by this day. So you really kind of map everything um and you want to make sure that you're kind of on schedule just because we're all college students. We want to be back, um, you know, in a, at a reasonable time in the summer. So we have enough time, you know, to enjoy ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually I'm actually interested because um, when I was reading up a little bit about your journey and why you decided to pursue it, uh, you were talking about how your advanced research led you to kind of avoid having a strict schedule. But Obviously, as experience will show, there needs to be some sort of structure. So how do you balance between that, you know, the fluidity and the structure of of, of this entire trip? Can you talk us a little bit through that? You know, that's a really good question because that's something that I kind of think about a lot is, you know, as I'm 
you know, in the middle of a 27 mile day, like I really just want to get to camp on a, at a reasonable time and, you know, be able to relax. But then I also kind of want to, you know, stop at the overlook and, you know, have my lunch there. So it's kind of a weird balance between, you know, pushing and hiking the miles and getting it done, but also, um, being able to like really savor the experience. So I guess I kind of, I'm an advocate in my group for days off. <laughs> I'm really someone who's like, let's take a day in Waynesboro and like look around and there's a civil war museum and let's maybe check that out. Um, so we kind of have the guys in the group that really want to like go, go, go and finish. And then there's some of us who kind of want to slow down a little bit. And we, you know, we, we compromise, we take like, we do long days and then we'll do short days. And on the shorter days, there's more time to kind of like smell the roses, I guess you might say. So I find it interesting that you're saying you have a group of eight people that or eight guys that you're traveling with. Um, are these people that you planned to hike with or are these people that you kind of met along the way and just sort of like naturally formed a group together? And along that line, can you talk us through some of the relationships that you formed um, unexpectedly on the trail? So there's a Facebook group for Appalachian Trail through hikers every year. So I joined that and I had kind of like met someone that I was going to hike with. Um, and I ended up not really hiking very f- too far with him. And I ended up meeting all these other people that I'm now hiking with. So it was very like serendipitous, the group that I kind of fell into. And um, I have, I don't know, I, I really loved that aspect of it because I wasn't really going in with much expectation about who I would be with. I think I I was kind of mentally preparing to hike the whole way solo and so it was really great to have found a group of guys that are so, so much fun and um, who I love to be around 24 seven. Um, it's kind of, I always say this, that at, when we're at like shelters or camping, I'm like, this is like summer camp. Like it's just so much fun because you spend literally every single day with the same people and you sleep with them like right next to you. And then you hike all day and you're all disgusting together. Um, and, you know, you don't shower for a week with the same people. Um, so that's been really fun to, like, get to know people in that kind of setting. Um, and, you know, they're all college students like me. Um, four of them are, I think they're, like, 18 years old. They they just graduated high school and they took gap years before going to college. And then there's one guy who's my age. He's a junior. And then one guy who's um, 23, he's going to be a PhD student. Um, He just got accepted to UC Davis on the trail, which is really exciting. Um, So it's been cool kind of just like seeing them like, like someone's birthday is going to be coming up soon. It's cool just like kind of like celebrating life milestones with them on the trail. Like the other day when our friend got accepted to that program, it's just been interesting kind of falling in with that group of people who I didn't know a month and a half ago. And now just like, feeling like I know them very well after a very short amount of time. Yeah, that's, that's really, that's really interesting. And, um, cause I I remember you writing from your interview with, uh, Rebecca from the Penn state news. Um, you were saying that you were looking forward to the opportunity, uh, to be somewhere completely new and without anyone who knows you. Um, you said that it will be an interesting experience to see how you function in that completely new and kind of intimidating setting for so long. Was that setting as intimidating as it looked when you began or 
has it become more comfortable as I think I'm hearing from from what you're saying? Yeah, I think I remember in the beginning feeling a, a bit more alone and it wasn't really a bad feeling. It was just kind of like a new feeling because I think it's like at a lot of points in our lives, we are totally like bereft of connection, like kind of like when you go to college, it's like you don't really know anyone and you kind of have to start over from square one from like where you were in high school and like kind of same thing in high school. Um, but this was, this felt a little different just because it was, um, it's not like you can call home any, at, at any point or you can't just go to your room and, you know, watch Netflix if you're feeling uncomfy. It's like, it's very, a, a different kind of a- aloneness. So I think at the beginning it was a little scary, um, to be in the woods and not know anyone, but then, um, eventually I kind of. I mean, there's so many people on the trail. That's like part of the Appalachian Trail experience. It's, it's a very social trail and so many people are here. Um, and so I was, it was exciting to kind of be in that environment and just like see how far like your own personality could take you and just connect with whoever you connected with. And luckily, like I, I found a really good group and, um, you know, everyone on the trail is super nice. That's kind of like hiker culture is that everyone's really nice dovetailing on what you're touching on with kind of the emotional well-being component of the trail in terms of loneliness and companionship can you also talk about the more physical and pragmatic safety concerns um, of hiking the Appalachian Trail I guess in terms of both you know being around being around many people being perhaps alone on the trail in terms of weather and, and safety, what kind of have those physical safety concerns been like for you during this time? You know, pe- whenever people ask about stuff like that, they immediately go to like animals. They're like, oh, the bears or stuff like that. Or like, I I told my parents, I shouldn't have told them this, but the other night there were like, at night there was coyotes, like we could hear them like circling. Um, and it's, it's not an issue. Like they don't do anything, but they, they got freaked out. But um, animals are not like a big thing on the trail that you should be too, too concerned with. Um, um, when it comes to like safety, I'm much more concerned with like people, frankly. Like I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts on the trail. So I listen to a lot of like crime related things, which freaks me out. But, you know, I've read about... Um, there's a lot of people have died in the trail at the hands of like other people um, in a walk in um, Bill Bryson's book, a walk in the woods, there have been hate crimes. And um, you know, we passed a shelter the other day where a couple was murdered. Um, so that does play in my mind. You know, I'm not really always constantly freaked out about that, but it does. It's always kind of in the back of my mind. Um especially in 2019, when I did my section hike, there was another murder that year in Virginia, like very close to where I did my section. It was like a couple of days before. Um, so it's kind of interesting to be with people all the time and feel safe with them, but also know that, you know, things do happen. Um, I don't know how, I don't know. It's just interesting to think about that. Yeah. And I, what you're saying right now draws like kind of a contrast for me. When I was reading your Deep South uh, blog post, 
something struck me and you were talking about accepting alcohol from strangers and you were talking about how in the north there's this attitude of you know you're going to be roofied you, you shouldn't accept it it's a, it's you know and in, in the south it was sort of this gesture of hospitality um so how how does the differences in, in people's culture and cultural conditioning how has that shaped um your experience on this hike so far if we're you know in terms of like southern culture it is very different down here like people are much more it, it is different like people carry like and you can see their gun on their hip and in the north that's intimidating and in, down south it's not as i guess perceived as as you know as as much of a scary thing um and then you know in the in north in the north i feel like hitchhiking is a different has a different connotation than it does in the south and people are very willing to like pick you up in their pickup truck down here um so it's kind of been interesting to kind of like juggle like my own experience as someone who grew up in New Jersey with like the reality down South. Um, and I don't know, I'm just, it's very kind of weird to think about like my own experience as like a white person too. Cause I know I've read articles in like outside magazine about um, people of color that hike the trail who have very different experiences than um, I do, you know, feeling safe relatively going through like Southern like small rural southern towns to get groceries and then they feel a lot less safe in that situation than I might so it's kind of weird to think about all those differences I think something that uh captures also in that from that same blog uh you were saying that as you were leaving a shop uh you noticed a stack of t-shirts printed with the letters LGBT and under each letter was a corresponding image of liberty guns bible and trump that I found to be like, it was, it was just shocking. It was interesting to see how they can take a couple of symbols and interpret them so differently. Uh, does the, do you see this kind of divide between North and South or is it just, is it like pockets rather than just a, a clear cut divide? It's funny you say that because my um, thesis advisor, Charlotte Holmes, like she read that blog post and emailed me and she was like, you know, I'm from the South too. <laughs> We're not all like that. Um, so I do think, I, I mean, I'm not saying the whole South is like that, but, you know, when I wrote that blog post, I was in, I was in Georgia. Um, I just started, I was like four days into the trip and it was very like, it's, I, I think Georgia is deep South. Like, so I, you know, as we've gone North, it's gotten, you can see it getting different. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it was palpable, especially in Georgia and North Carolina and Tennessee and um, a lot of Confederate flags and things like that. So um, it's interesting, less mask wearing. And that brings me to, uh, again, I like, to like to refer to your blogs from the Standing Bear blog when you were talking about that all lines disappear on the trail. Um, there's something about this community and the people who go and, and hike this community that your identity almost dissolves and you become sort of unified with the people who are there based on your shared, shared experience of that hike. Um, does that, does that narrative sort of resonate with you or how would you, how would you respond to that? Yeah, I think, I think that's right because I've thought about this before, like, because there's um, these things called trail names where you get a nickname on the trail. That's, you know, not your real name. And, um, it's just kind of based off something that you do or like a quirk and people give it to you. And then 
eventually you introduce yourself as that name. Like I am no longer Nick. I'm ID. People say like, what's your name? I'm like, I'm ID. And it kind of provides you with this certain amount of like anonymity where like whoever you were before the trail, it's like, it's not really relevant. It's just who you kind of present as on the trail. Um, so when you go to towns, you're kind of like just part of that big hiking community and you're not really like Nick from New Jersey as much as ID from the Appalachian Trail who's hiking from Georgia to Maine. Can you tell us about how you got this nickname, ID? I'm really curious now. At Standing Bear, they like, um, they're really like, they're known for being a really sketchy hostel. Um, and they usually like, we've, we'd heard they give people like marijuana so that they buy more food. Like they'll give you, it was really weird. Like very weird environment had it kind of had like a weird reputation like as we were walking you know the miles towards it and when we got there they were selling beers and a lot of my friends were not of age for like getting beers because they didn't like id them but then i tried to get some and they were like we need to see some card (laughs) and everyone thought it was really funny that like the sketchy hostel carded me um you're also talking about in the in the standing bear um you had this uh this woman, her name was Yip, and she offered you one of her seltzers. And um, when maybe the other people looked around wondering if you were old enough or what, what, what was going on there, she said, oh, no, it's fine. He's my son. Um, and like there's sort of like this familial um, sort of attitude that I'm starting to see. It's a string throughout all of your blogs, this familial attitude of people in the South um, in contrast to what you might hear um, you know, the more negative uh, story. So has has your have your preconceived notions been challenged? And, and how often would you say that that occurs um, throughout your experience with people in the South? It, it's really interesting because people like while they remember like that uh, shop owner who sold those T-shirts, the LGBT ones, like she was the friend, one of the friendliest people ever. And I left with her phone number like she was she like texted me on Easter and was like, wishing me good luck and asking about the trip and everything. So it's been really interesting to kind of kind of experience like a less welcoming part of the South, but also experience the very hospitable part of it at the same time. So it's kind of like a weird dichotomy. Um, I don't know that I've just kind of noticed. Speaking of some of your um some of the people that have been featured in your blogs. I was wondering um, if you could expand a little bit on your writing process um, and who you're choosing to include and not to include, because if my memory serves right, I don't remember any of like your core group um, that you've been describing on this podcast being featured on the blog um, as heavily as I would imagine if you're traveling with them. Um, every day. Can you talk a little bit about who you've included in the blog so far and why you made those choices? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think back about who I've written about. Um, I remember Old Goat was like a whole blog post because he was just someone I met and I found interesting. Um, I don't know, I guess a lot, like the underlying thing in my blog I want to do is like, I don't want to be a blog that's just like today I hiked this far and it was good. Like I, <laughs> I want it to be kind of interesting for people to read about. So I guess a lot of the, a lot of what 
I, I'm doing with my group kind of just feels very like quotidian, even though I, I find them really interesting people and I like them and I'm traveling with them. It is kind of, you know, a day to day kind of experience. Whereas when I met old goat who I wrote a blog post about, it was, um, it felt a little more novel cause I had just met him that day. And I, um, I think I ran into him a day, like another day after that, but like for the most part, like if you run into an interesting person, it's like the only time you'll see them. Um, so the, the interaction you have with them is much more like fleeting and it kind of sticks out to you a bit more than the ones that you have with, uh, the people you're traveling with. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that strings back to that, that the thing we were talking about, about that shared identity of everyone being hikers. And it also ties back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, you can't just go to your room and watch Netflix. You know, you have to confront the reality that is the hike and the people on the hike. Um, do you feel like the hike has given you an opportunity to or taken away, I should say, the opportunity to retreat into somewhere that's comfortable and forced you to confront things that otherwise maybe you wouldn't have confronted if you decided to stay home or if you were in state college? Yeah, I think a little bit. Um, the trail's been like very challenging um, physically and mentally. So it's if something's kind of like bothering me I I really try to like address it I'm like why why am I really not feeling things today and is this a reason that I should want to quit like like that kind of is a thing that goes through my head a lot is like this isn't fun right now do I want to quit or is this just my feet hurting really bad um and so you kind of have to like confront your emotions and be like no you're just acting like a baby like you're fine keep walking or like um, you know, we had a really rough couple of days or like, you know, one of my friends was like getting on my nerves. Like, is this a reason that is this fun for me anymore? And the answer is always yes. And you just kind of confront like the reason why you're feeling negatively. Um, and you have a lot of times to do that because you're thinking for like <laughs> 12 hours on the trail. Um, I don't know. It's It's kind of an introspective time, I guess. There's a lot of thinking about why you feel certain things and then you keep walking and then you feel differently the next day if that makes sense yeah no 100 percent. and um in your, in your most recent um blog you were talking about just hikers in general and you're talking about hikers being a privileged group of people and i hear you now talking about the challenges that you're facing but you also make it clear that the challenges that you're facing are challenges that you've chosen to face there are challenges that you've went out of your way and tried to encounter now uh, why the hell would anyone sane <laughs> go out of their way and do it do what you're doing right now yeah um well as much as like it's so hard some days and like it really does suck occasionally like this is, I'm having like the best time in my life and I, I'm not exaggerating. Like I, I, I love being out here and I think that's like the pain almost like makes it better. Cause you, you look at a day that was awful. Um, and then you say, I, I like did it. I walked, I kept walking through the rain or 
I, I walked up a, a hill for five miles and it took me two hours. And then that, that stuck like sucked, but it's behind you and you can kind of keep going. Um, and that's really rewarding and it feels really, really good. Um, and that's, I think that's definitely part of why, um, I like hiking. And the other part is that like you're traveling, which is amazing. Um, and you're meeting so many people and, you know, when I'm blogging, I'm writing about things that like happened to me and that if I hadn't come out here, they would not have happened. And it's just nice to be able to have things to write about, um, you know, as an English major, like a writer or whatever, that's like nice to kind of have things to think about and have experience that inform, you know, your thinking. So it's, it's a lot of different things, I guess. Uh, on your Inst- I just want to go so like on a little bit more of a fun fun note on your Instagram. Uh, this is something I just wanted to ask you about your recent uh, photo. The caption was down to eight toenails, but still up, to, <laughs> but still up to all the shenanigans. What, what <laughs> what's the context behind it? Where do the toenails go? So I do at the moment only have eight toenails, and I think I'm going to be down to six pretty soon. And my feet are the gnarliest feet you've ever seen i guarantee it um i don't know my feet have really been beat up um like i i was saying before i got trench foot which like world war one soldiers got from being in like trenches and i didn't even know that could happen to people but i got it and it hurt um and um my feet turned like purple the other day because they were so bruised and my, my toenails are falling off and it's kind of gross, but um, they do feel a lot better now. And I've been elevating them at night, which feels makes them feel a lot better. So, <laughs> is that pain? How painful is that? How painful is that? Um, it doesn't hurt as bad as you'd think because they're totally dead, so they kind of just come off. Um, which is gross, I know, but um, oh my god. It's, it's fine it hurt more when they were like in the process of like dying and turning like black and that was like the first couple weeks and we're past that so we're good um and i um yeah i don't know it's just like part of it now like your feet kind of just always hurt but you just keep going they get numb i think i speak for all of us when I, when I say that we really wish you the best for the rest of your journey and we're rooting for you for you here from penn state thank you so much it means a lot Yes, good luck with trench foot and growing back all of those toenails. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you again, Nick, for joining us today all the way from the Appalachian Trail. We really appreciate your time. And thank you to all of you at home for listening. We hope you join us again on the next episode of the Paterno Fellows podcast. 